On this brand new episode of Indie Thinker with Reed Huberman, we'll dig into mass formation psychosis, how it is happening in the United States with COVID and around the world. And then we'll also look at the top female earner in Jeopardy history, who is actually a man. And then we'll jump over to the TikTok world and look at how young people are diagnosing themselves with dissociative identity disorder and how that phenomenon is starting to spread. And then we'll wrap it up and tell you what you can do about it. You're about to make the jump from the echo chamber into for free and independent thought on the subjects of culture, causes, politics, and faith. Hey, thanks so much for watching, guys. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We really appreciate you tuning into this second season. As you guys know, we've reformatted things to kind of make things a little bit more user-friendly, but then to also keep you informed and to really try to meet a need. The one thing that I know for sure is that is that businesses always try to meet a need that's present in the market. And the one thing that I have heard over and over and over again is that when people hear the news or when they get informed, they very often they get depressed about that. They get burdened by it and they just have to turn it off and just tune it out for a little while. It's just kind of overload for them. And I think this is a good thing, by the way. I believe it is because we were created to make a difference. And when we hear all this stuff and then we don't know what to do about it, we get overwhelmed. And so what I want to try to do here at Indie Thinker is try to provide news, information, entertainment, but also try to give you kind of a redemptive take on, on the news, to try to give you maybe some action steps or to give you a way of looking at it that will keep you from just being burdened by what's going on in our world, but really help you understand that this is an opportunity for us to do something about that. Now, before we do that, I want to make sure that you know that this episode is sponsored by the Kevin Blair team over at Element Funding. Now, I tried to tell you, I prophesied over and over and over again that interest rates were going up and they just went up higher than they've been in a long time. But that's okay. It's not time to freak out just yet. You can go ahead and get pre-qualified right now for a home loan over at elementfunding.com or go to the kevinblairteam.com if you want to go directly to our friends. Now, they can help you get pre-qualified and even lock in a rate while things are still low because I'm going to tell you they're going to go up again and you want to make sure that you get pre-qualified now before they do so. So go over, check them out today and let them know that Andy Thinker sent you. So by now, you are probably aware that uh, the idea of mass formation psychosis is making the rounds in certainly the podcasting world, but really all over as a result of Robert Malone being on the Joe Rogan experience. And I do want to pause just kind of as an aside and just say real quick, like even if you hate Joe Rogan and you don't like what he stands for, isn't it awesome? that we have somebody that has the kind of cultural power that Joe Rogan does that doesn't necessarily toe the line of what we constantly hear in the mainstream media, somebody that cannot be manipulated by by business interests and, and other things like that. I think that's just, I think generally speaking, that's an objective good. And so Joe Rogan brought on Robert Malone. Uh, I think it was the day of, or at least around the same time that Robert Malone was just kicked off of Twitter and totally banned from Twitter for some of the things that he had been saying. And of course, if you know Robert Malone, you know that he is the person who is influential in creating the mRNA technology that is in our present COVID vaccine. And so he went on Joe Rogan. And one of the things that he talked about that really has caught people's attention is the idea of mass formation psychosis. So let's go over to that clip. It's a little bit longer than normally what we would play, but I think it's well worth it. So let's check that out real quick. The, the how question of a third of the population basically being hypnotized and totally wrapped up in whatever Tony Fauci and the mainstream media feeds them, whatever CNN tells them is true. Um, 
me illustrate that. The other day, I was looking through New York Times recent articles about Omicron and pediatrics in preparation for this and for making some slideshows. And, um, and I saw this headline in the New York Times, um, epidemiologist and a vaccinologist, and the, and the title was, How You Should Think About Children and Omicron. It was, it was blatantly saying, this is how you should think. Mm. We're going to tell you how to think. Okay? People kind of got to get that in their head. That's the world we're in right now. Now, what Matthias Desmond has, has shared with us, brilliant insight, is another one of those, aha, now that part makes sense, um, which is that this comes from basically European intellectual inquiry into what the heck happened in Germany in the 20s and 30s. You know, very intelligent, highly educated population, and they went barking mad. Um, and how did that happen? Um, the answer is mass formation psychosis. When you have a society that has become decoupled from each other and has free-floating anxiety and a sense that things don't make sense, we can't understand it, and then their attention gets focused by a leader or a series of events on one small point, just like hypnosis, they literally become hypnotized and can be led anywhere. And one of the aspects of that phenomena is the people that they identify as their leaders, the ones typically that come in and say, you have this pain and I can solve it for you. I and I alone, okay, can fix this problem for you, okay? Then they will lead, they will follow that person through, it doesn't matter whether they lie to them or whatever. The data are irrelevant. And furthermore, anybody who questions that narrative is to be immediately attacked. They are the other. All right, so it's been a question for ages and generations. How did ultimately what we would consider normal people, if not what we might typically consider good people, how did those people get deceived into doing what they did in Nazi Germany? How did these people, some of which that went to church and that believed that Jesus Christ was their savior and, and professed that, that God is love, um, you know, you would assume. How did these people idly sit by, continue to go to church, and watch while Jews were being shoved in concentration camps? What took place that created the the atmosphere for this to take place? Now, a lot of people are just going to easily jump to the assumption that that is just racism, uh, or maybe even classism, or anything like that. But the reality is, is that the story is is a little bit more complicated than that. And if you really want the truth, then you need to be looking into things like mass formation psychosis because it provides an answer for how well-meaning people can easily be deceived. And perhaps we might be seeing it right before our very eyes. So Matthias Desmet, who is mentioned by uh, Robert Malone in this video, he, he posits a theory. How can good intellectual people in a civilized society do the kind of things that took place in Nazi Germany? Well, he said that there are four conditions, uh, really maybe three conditions, kind of with, a, with an ultimate symptom uh, that, that will take place whenever mass formation psychosis takes place. And again, mass formation psychosis is a kind of mass hypnosis, if you will. It, it kind of parades around and does the same thing as hypnosis would do. And so here are the four things that are necessary for mass formation psychosis. The first one is this, is A, you have to have decoupling. So decoupling just simply means that you have to be stripped away from your social circles and from your normal routine of life. You have to be decoupled from that. So this obviously took place when we were quarantined as a result of COVID when it first hit. 
And then there's another thing. So the second thing is this, is that you have to have a loss of meaning. Now, I would postulate that that is currently happening in the West and certainly in the American West as we become a post-Christian nation. In fact, I've said this before on the channel, and I'll keep on saying it, that I believe that much of what we're experiencing as a nation is a symptom uh, of us moving further and further away from our Christian heritage. Now, that is not to say that for the... 200 plus years of our existence since 1776, that that we have been a firmly, predominantly uh, God-fearing Christian nation and that we haven't made mistakes along the way. No, what I'm, what I'm simply trying to say is that undeniably built into our Constitution, our Declaration of Independence, so, so many of the institutions of the American West are Christian ideas, Christian virtues at the very least, that have permeated our society. And even if we weren't predominantly Christian or it didn't even really attend church, these ideas permeated our culture in such a way that Christian ideas were taken for granted and we espouse them probably without even knowing that their their kernel of truth, their root system is deeply embedded in, in the Bible and deeply embedded in Christian theology. So nonetheless, as we have moved further and further away from that, I think ultimately many of the things, the most ridiculous symptoms of our cultural age, uh, are, are as a direct result of us moving further and further away from God and moving further away from the Bible. So as a result of our post-Christian kind of malaise, we are presently experiencing a, a loss of meaning. We are experiencing an existential crisis. So you have a decoupling. You have an existential crisis, a crisis of meaning on our hands where, by the way, maybe just to throw this in here too, the idea of victimization, and we'll talk a little bit more about this today, really does come from the fact that we are desperate for meaning. We are desperate to believe that we were created for a purpose and without God to help us discover that purpose, then we find ourselves scouring the landscape for, for something to believe in. And that's why there are some people who come up with some pretty ridiculous notions as to what to believe in. And so you think about the bodily mutil mutilation of the transgender community. You think even about like the mass hysteria found in, in climate change, where in by 2030, we're going to experience millions of death and there are going to be people who can't even live in their homes anymore. And the IPCC doesn't even espouse any kind of catastrophic apocalyptic climate change model, like some of the things that we're hearing. But, but why do people gravitate to these things? Well, they gravitate to it because they're desperate for meaning. And so those kind of two things lead to a third thing. And the third thing is this, is free-floating fear. So this is a generalized sense of fear that cannot be solved or explained. So COVID is a prime example of this. So there's this fear about this virus that's out in the ether that we can't control, we can't do anything about. And so there's this free-floating fear that's out there at the same time. We don't really have meaning for our lives to root ourselves in kind of something that might keep us from that free-floating fear. And then psychological discomfort. So the reason this is important to add, even though we've already talked about free-floating fear, is that the psychological discomfort is a discomfort such that it's not just free-floating fear, but it's also creating such a discomfort in our lives that we have to do something about it, that we have to find some remedy for it. There, it's so discomforting that there needs to be a resolution so people will immediately run to whatever solution they can find, essentially. And so this is the recipe for mass formation psychosis. Now, just to root this back a little bit more in World War II and what took place in Nazi Germany. Germany is so you have a decoupling as it were in that in that time because you have some a couple of things going on 
So you have the ravaging of World War One, and you have some of the financial issues that were associated with that, and even some of the financial burdens that were placed upon Germany by the rest of the world because of that war. Um, and so you have this kind of decoupling into this tribalism because it was kind of Germany against the world, um, and especially after in this post-World War One era. And then you have a loss of meaning because now they, their country's been ravaged and they're wondering what in the world next to to kind of cling to for hope. And ultimately, uh, Hitler comes along and he preaches very vehemently, very passionately, and people start to give in to his, his preaching style, if you will. And then there's this free-floating fear. Now, this was done, obviously, with multiple economic concerns, but this is probably best rooted, obviously, in the concerns and the fears that Hitler tried to stoke uh, with Jews in Germany. And then you have this psychological discomfort, because the, the reason that you're experiencing some of the discomfort that you're experiencing now is probably because of not only these economic sanctions, these economic pressures, but also, too, because of enemies within our own walls. And so all of this adds up to a recipe for people to sit idly by to one of the greatest travesties in human history. And, and really, this is, this is the story of the 20th century, because you don't have to just relegate this to Nazi Germany. You can look at uh, Mao's China, you can look at Stalin's Russia, and, and, and beyond that. And you can see where this crisis of meaning is really affecting people. So nonetheless, with all of these things together, you, you find yourself in a place where people are easily manipulated. People are easily manipulated. Now, I want to say one more thing about this, because I think this is key to understanding mass formation psychosis. And maybe this goes back to the kind of loss of meaning piece, is that this has been studied by, by multiple people, um, especially in the United States, but really all over. Uh, and it's been a subject of discussion for, for ages and generations. There is a religious impulse in people. There is a desire for for something meaningful. There is a desire for something beautiful. There is a desire for, for the transcendent, I would call it. And that desire for the transcendent often looks like institutional religion, right? We find ourselves in a church. We find ourselves in a community of believers. There is a, But nonetheless, whether you're an atheist, you're an agnostic, or you're a Christian, a Jew, or whatever, or you're a religious person, you're a, you're a monotheistic person, there is a religious impulse inside of us all. This is where people like uh, Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins get it wrong. They, they are just as religious very often as Christians or Jews or anybody else because they have blind faith assertions about certain things, even in their scientific world, but certainly blind faith assertions about Christianity when they themselves are not experts or really even qualified to speak on the subject very well. And so very often they come up with these resentful, audacious statements about Christianity, uh, you know, the God delusion and all this stuff, and just simply associate the, the desire and the inner egg for the transcendent inside of the human heart with a just simply a delusion, when really for ages and generations there has been this religious impulse, and even bi uh, bioethicists and evolutionary biologists have studied this inner impulse inside of the human human heart, uh, to recognize that it cannot be easily dismissed. It's there for a reason. And so ultimately, I'm only saying this in terms of mass formation psychosis for this reason, is that when we have a desire for the transcendent, when we have a desire for meaning, if you just want to call it that, when we have that desire, but it is not being met in the normal way, and we have a post-Christian nation where we're clearly moving away from that normal way of thinking in the American West, when that happens, 
We have a society that is ripe for manipulation in the American West. Now, this takes place a couple of different ways, but let me just illustrate what I mean is that as we've moved further and further away from a staple of society, what did we think was going to take the place of Christianity? No, there needed to be something that that fills, there is going to be something that fills that vacuum. There's going to be something that fills that void. And so here we have the pagan cult of COVID that is afflicting so many people. This is where we have people doing TikTok dances for vaccines. This doesn't seem weird to us yet. Uh, well, let's let's be fair. It's weird to some of us, but then the people who are actually doing this, they seem oblivious to the to the reality that they are dancing to a drug that was made by a pharmaceutical company. I, I something tells me that there's more to that than just the excitement over the fact that they've been vaccinated, especially when we see in Omicron that the people who were vaccinated are going to be susceptible to to this virus. Nonetheless, the point is, is that in the vacuum of Christianity moving away, it's, it wasn't going to ever remain void. It wasn't just going to stay in empty space. Something was going to take its place. What the new atheists don't understand is that there is a religious impulse inside of all of us, and that impulse has to be met. That need has to be met. As we've moved further and further away from Christianity in the American West, there has been a void, and we were foolish to think that that void would remain empty. People are now going to fill that void up with a myriad of different concerns, complaints, and ultimately there's so many things that I could illustrate here, but I would just say this. Ultimately, one of the things that's taken its place is victimization. Victimization has filled the void for so many people who who lack meaning and who lack community in a, in a religious sense. That what, what people have been able to do is they've flocked to the communities of people who now consider themselves victims of a myriad of different things. And that's where we want to jump in and talk about some headlines right now now to just illustrate that point. So let's talk about our headlines. Jeopardy champ Amy Schneider becomes the first woman to surpass $1 million on Jeopardy. So as you probably know by now, Amy Schneider is actually a man, is a transgender woman, and she just recently surpassed $1 million, making her the highest winner in Jeopardy history, who is a quote-unquote woman. Now, there's a lot that we could say here about this. Now, (laughs) obviously, we could talk about the fact that when we see this in women's sports, this is incredibly egregious. But, you know, to be fair, we're not talking about women's sports here. We're talking about something that perhaps is much more egalitarian in terms of your intellectual capacity. When we're talking about physical capacity, it's undeniable that there is a they a competitive advantage for men competing in women's sports. It's it's way more black and white than anybody wants you to believe. You know, we have this sentiment today where it's just like, don't be a binary thinker, be a multivariant thinker. And, and while all of that is true, things need to be just as simple as they need to be and no simpler. And it's just as simple as recognizing an obvious objective fact that men have a competitive advantage in sports against women. So now we're talking about Jeopardy. So it's a little bit more egalitarian, quite frankly. However... What we find here is that we're seeing the same thing in the competitive, you know, physical sports world as we are now in this kind of in this kind of scenario is that we are seeing that the transgender movement isn't actually really benefiting women. It's actually becoming a disservice to women because now this record that should be held by a woman is actually held by a man. So 
we, we see why there are feminists who are raising alarm about the transgender movement and how it's cannibalizing the feminist movement. Now, I have no love, quite frankly, for either movement, but, uh, but nonetheless, it, it's worth discussing and worth not being afraid of talking about these things because this is obviously an issue. This, this position that could be rightfully claimed by a woman is now claimed by a man. So maybe you think to yourself, let's just get rid of all of the distinctions in jeopardy and just make it the highest winners of all time, which, by the way, will be all men who far and away are top earners um, above women. Nonetheless, I, I, I don't really, I bring this story up not to, to discuss necessarily Amy and and, and, her, and his, her decision to do whatever she wants to do, but simply just to talk about this, is that also in the news, Amy was just robbed in Oakland. Now, before we get into the story there, I just have to tell you, is, is it a surprise to anybody that Amy was robbed in Oakland of all places? Of course not. I digress. So Amy Schneider, the Jeopardy reigning champion and the trivia show's winningest woman, was robbed on Sunday in Oakland, California, she said. Schneider, who works as an engineering manager and lives in the city, said in a tweet that she was fine after the altercation, but that she had been robbed for her identification, credit cards, and cell phone. All right. Now, again, the reason I wanted to bring Amy Schneider up is not just simply to talk about the uh, transgender movement per se, but just to speak about something much more broader or something more general in the culture. You know, we just got done talking about the Jesse Smollett thing, and we did a video about that that you can check out. But there is this kind of phenomenon going on in, in America right now where there are a group of people who are creating hoaxes, hate crime hoaxes, of, of many various stripes, whether it be about gender, whether it be about uh, race, or, or any number of things. And, and to, to the degree that we now have to wonder if the activism of our society, which is clearly an ache because people lack meaning and they're desperately looking to believe that they matter, and so they're finding that the, the itch for that ache in a temporary way, at least in activism. So everybody with a phone now is an activist and now is a reporter, and they're desperately searching for something that they can expose to garner attention for themselves. Now, more power to you. It's a free country. So if you constantly want to live your life trying to figure out who we need to torture next, then that's on you. But nonetheless, with the advent of these hate crime hoaxes, it does leave one wondering did what happened to Amy Schneider is real? Now, I'm just to be safe. I, I'm I'm gonna be inclined to believe that what took place with Amy really did happen. However, it's undeniable that we're living in a time where we do find ourselves having to ask that question: Did this really take place, or is this yet another plea for attention? Is this yet another desire for meaning in a world that's desperately starved for meaning? So the reason I bring that story up is because it leads us to our next story. And so here's the next headline. TikTokers are self-diagnosing themselves with disassociative personality disorder, or DID, according to the Wall Street Journal, saying TikTok videos containing the hashtag borderline personality disorder have been viewed almost 600 million times. Only 1.4% of the U.S. adult population is estimated to experience the disorder, according to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, a nonprofit mental health advocacy organization. Borderline personality disorder is almost never diagnosed in adolescents because their personalities are still forming and because some symptoms, such as having unstable personal relationships and exhibiting impulsive behavior, are hard to distinguish from typical teen behavior, doctors say. Now, I want to show you a clip real quick from the Matt Walsh show where he kind of digs into 
this uh, phenomenon of TikTokers and diagnosing themselves with dissociative identity disorder. So check this out. So now in these videos, and again, there, there are many of them, the alleged multiple personality sufferer will, will usually re refer to themselves as the system. That's how these people refer to them. They are the system. And the system is the word they use to describe the whole collective of personalities that they have in their heads. And then each individual personality is called an alter. And they will then usually introduce each alter in their videos, each personality, and sometimes put on a different voice for each one. But that, that requires a certain amount of talent that most of these people don't have. Um, and so most of the videos are kind of like this one. Watch. Hi, my name's Becca. I'm the host of The System. Hi, I'm Bella. I don't really know what role I have in the system because I am a new alter, so... <laughs> Hello, my name is Rosa. I am the caretaker of the system. What's up? It's Jamie. I'm the primary protector of the system. We took our meds a while ago, so I'm groggy. Hi, my name's Vega. I am the sexual protector of the system. Hey, I'm Kai. I am a trauma holder and gatekeeper for the system. I work very closely with another alter, Nick, who is an internal uh, caretaker. He does not really front. So you see, that's how multiple personality disorder works, apparently. Um, all of the personalities are aware of each other and, and they work together. You know, they, they hold meetings and conferences they send memos back and forth and emails and everything. This is what happens, I guess, when you have 14 personalities and they're all boring as hell. So here's the major concern here, other than the obvious. An adolescent has no business diagnosing themselves with anything that an expert should be diagnosing themselves with, except maybe when they need to go to the bathroom. And then even then, it's a little questionable. So the reality is, is that these people don't have this, this disease, uh, this disorder. Some of them may have it. Very few of them do have it, according to what I just read you in that Wall Street Journal article. About only 1.4% of people in the United States have it, and no person that has a degree in this kind of stuff would actually diagnose an adolescent with DID because they don't believe that it's a safe time to actually diagnose somebody with DID because their form, their identity and their personality is still shaping so much that it's in a kind of state of change. Now, is it possible that that's actually what really is going on here, is that there is some kind of trauma, some kind of developmental thing going on with adolescents? They're trying to figure out who they are, and in the process, because they're not coming up with good answers, they find themselves having to resort to multiple identities. Well, nonetheless, you see that this is particularly a problem, again, as we are moving away from a source, a center of existential meaning in the American West. Now, this is happening, if this was happening in a corner somewhere, this might be, you know, one thing. The big problem is, is that this is happening with a, on a platform where it is garnering hundreds of millions of views. I want you to see Good Morning America and their actual reporting on this. Now to the rise in teens on TikTok who are self-diagnosing themselves with rare mental health disorders that they probably don't have after watching videos on the social platform. It's a story we first saw in the Wall Street Journal, and Ariel Reshef joins us with more on this. Ariel, good morning. 
Good morning to you, Mary. Yeah, those videos have been viewed hundreds of millions of times. And while experts say this may be elevating a conversation about mental health, self-diagnosis can be a dangerous, slippery slope. DID typically occurs between the ages of six and nine. This morning, experts warning about what they call a troubling trend on TikTok that could leave some teens believing they have a serious mental disorder. Hello, 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 hello. Posts with the hashtag disassociative identity disorder and borderline personality disorder viewed hundreds of millions of times. Some of those videos listing possible signs to look out for and encouraging viewers to self-evaluate. Now, if it wasn't shocking enough to you that these teens, these adolescents, these people in their early 20s are desperately crying out for attention through TikTok, that would seem rather normal because this is typically what these guys do on TikTok. I mean, you can find a dance for basically everything, which tells you everything you need to know about TikTok and how much it is a repository for everything stupid in our culture. However, the more troubling thing here is this, is that these teens have, have potentially convinced themselves and actually believe what they're saying based upon simply culture. For those of us who are Christians, I hope we do not underestimate the power of culture because what these teens are doing is simply regurgitating culture because most experts will tell you, if not all experts will tell you, that the way that these individuals are exhibiting their multiple personality or their DID, the way they're exhibiting this is not actually the way DID, multiple personality disorder, works. In fact, what they actually seem to be doing is they seem to be channeling Hollywood in order to interpret the way DID works. So this kind of clear-cut, very different kind of, if you will, like split style of multiple personality disorder that they're exhibiting here is not really the way this thing works. And by split style, this is what I mean, the movie Split, where there's a very clear line of delineation between the personalities. One personality would wear a dress and speak in a woman's voice. Another personality has a low, grumbly voice. Another personality is very innocent and childlike, and they totally change the way that they talk. This kind of very systematic and very conformed view of multiple personality disorder doesn't exist. And that's the real problem here, is that these teens have convinced themselves of something that wholly doesn't exist. Now, let's be honest. Young people cry out for attention in a myriad of different ways. And this is perhaps just one of them. But this is also perhaps something deeper, something that we have to take notice of, and if not take seriously, at least question why this is happening. So I got one more story to show you that will kind of even further illustrate this same tendency going on in our culture. So let's take a look at this headline. This article is according to the Atlanta Black Star, Willow Smith, who is, of course, Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith's daughter, says she was brainwashed into thinking anxiety she felt during Whip My Hair toy was insignificant. So Willow Smith, and the article, go, the article goes on to read, Willow Smith and her family have been more transparent over the years about their struggles with mental health. The singer recently opened up about her mental health to The Independent and explained how her battle with anxiety was ignored when she was around nine years old. Smith's 2010 single, Whip My Hair, was becoming a hit and got so popular on the airwaves that she was signed to Jay-Z's Rock Nation and she was doing performances in touring. Now, I want to pull just a couple of things from this article here because I think it's a, of, of interest to you. So uh, Willow Smith told her father that she wanted to quit touring. Now, again, she's nine years old. 
And we know that it's easy to sell yourself out for the sake of fame. However, what Will Smith says to his daughter seems absolutely rational. So Will Smith responded to his daughter when she said that she wanted to uh, come out of touring, that she needed to because she had committed to doing it. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like the typical conversation that I might have with my son. Son, you've committed to the football team. You've committed to playing, and I want you to finish out the season. I want you to get into the habit of you know, committing to what you've obligated yourself to do and not just quitting because things are getting difficult. Now, if we call that anxiety and then we make out Will Smith to be an abusive father because he's actually being a good father, then, then yes, I can understand why we might have this a little twisted here. But since reality still exists, the truth is, is that Will Smith was telling his daughter you're contractually obligated to do something you said you would do it and we're going to follow through but that's not the only thing after his interaction with his daughter he said he came downstairs one day and she had shaved her head bald she shaved her head bald in the middle of her whip my hair tour i was like oh expletive i'm looking at that girl and i'm like got it i understand you will never have this trouble out of me ever again let's go baby we can go now again Hey, far be it from me to try to parent anybody else's child. I've got a full-time job of my own. But the reality is, is that there needs to be some kind of conversation here with the fact that parents have an obligation to help their children learn to be strong in the face of these anxieties and learn to deal with these things in such a way that it will keep us from being manipulated. And that's exactly why we must come back to that Joe Rogan video with Robert Malone and look at it one more time to hear what he has to say about the the cure, if you will, to mass formation psychosis. If we are experiencing a mass psychosis event, as we start to see, especially in adolescence, some of these trends that are cropping up, like the one on TikTok, and like the hate crime hoaxes that are spreading around our nation, if we are prime suspects for being manipulated by those in power, if the move away from a religious center has created in us the capacity for an existential crisis of meaning that must be filled somewhere and we're finding ourselves searching in fruitless things, searching in the garbage, if you will, to try to pull out whatever we can find, then it serves us to understand what we can do about it. So here's that clip. We're all on our little tools. We're not connected socially anymore except through social media. Um, and then this thing happened and everybody focused on it. That is how mass formation psychosis happens. And that is what's happened here. Now there's ways to get out of it. Um, Matthias's recommendation is you gotta get people to realize that what we've got is a situation of global totalitarianism in his experience in Europe. Making people realize there's a bigger threat than the virus can cause a separation psychologically in this fusion, this hypnosis that has happened. The problem is, then you're just substituting a bigger boogeyman from the current one. And somebody else can come in and manipulate that. The real problem, and it gets back to your core point, we're sick as a society and we have to heal ourselves. And one of the things we have to do is come together. We have to recreate our social bonds. We have to buy into integrity the importance of human dignity, and the importance of community. I love what Robert Malone has to say there because I think he's 100% right. If all we do in the midst of watching our government in America get bigger and bigger and bigger, take rights upon them that they do not possess, 
weaponizing OSHA against employees and, and imposing a vaccine mandate upon people and essentially saying, if you don't do what we say, you're going to lose your livelihood. It's clear that there is an enemy and the growth of the federal government under the auspices of COVID protection is, is a real threat. But if all we do is create a, a bigger threat and say, well, the government's the bigger threat here rather than COVID, then people could easily be, be manipulated around the subject of kind of an anti-government mentality. I think what we have to recognize here is that we are experiencing a crisis of meaning in the American West that will only be solved if we are willing to, to recognize it for what it is. I'll put it to you like this. If God is not the center of our lives, then not only will you replace God, but you will also have to find a devil. Now, typically what happens, just in my experience with these things, is if God is not a part of your life, if you don't have a transcendent uh, framework with which to base your morality upon, with which to base the meaning that you have in this life on, typically what will happen is the person who takes the place of God is you. You become the arbitrary, uh, the arbiter of moral truth, if you will. But then who becomes the devil? Well, Quite frankly, anybody will do. If you don't have the, the, the real devil, as we believe in Christianity, well, then you have to develop a devil. And typically what happens is you make anybody who is your enemy or somebody that you don't like, they immediately become the devil. People that disagree with you, they'll become the devil. And as we've seen throughout some of the headlines that I showed you today, you will also make yourself the devil. If you can't find a devil out in the world, You'll, you'll make yourself the devil and start fighting against yourself with, like, say, anxiety that you have instead of learning to overcome it and learning to, to struggle through it and learning to have the kind of emotional and mental tools that you need to handle life when it gets difficult. You'll, you'll cave to it because you'll, you'll create an enemy that you can't defeat. Or maybe you'll go on TikTok and create a personality disorder that doesn't actually exist that you have just simply because you're struggling with an enemy and you don't know how to fight it. Or perhaps you'll create a hate crime hoax that doesn't actually exist. And you'll create an enemy that doesn't actually exist because you, you need to find the devil somewhere because you need something to fight. Again, this is all deeply ingrained in each and every one of us. And so I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, the, the Desmet recipe, if you will, the ingredients for mass formation psychosis, there's some of those things that you, you can't do anything about. You can't necessarily do anything about the, the, the fear, the free-floating fear that's out there in the world, but you can do something about B. You can do something about the second thing. You can do something about the loss of meaning, the, the issues that we're having with transcendent meaning in our society. You can return to an understanding of the transcendent, you can return to an understanding of something bigger than yourself, something outside of yourself that can help you with every single thing that you'll experience in this life. So yes, as cliche as it may sound, I'm saying this. If you find that our world is getting worse as a result of moving away from Christianity and moving away from institutional religion, then I would encourage you to check something out. I'm not saying that we do everything the way that we're supposed to, or we do everything right. Here's what I'm simply saying, is I'm saying if you find yourself struggling with these things, go to church and see if it doesn't make a difference. Put yourself in a community of believers who believe in transcendent meaning and see if it doesn't make a difference in what's going on in your own personal life.
there is a cure for the loss of meaning that we're experiencing in our society. And far be it from me as an evangelical Christian to try to hide the bag here. I truly believe that it can be found in God, in Scripture, in the promise that he makes to have a personal relationship with you through, through Jesus Christ. But even if you don't buy that, here's what I would suggest. That it's time that we move beyond our purpose being rooted in what we can hear on MSNBC, what happens at the executive branch, or anything else. We must have transcendent value, a community that helps us tap into that transcendent value to really, truly overcome the climate that we have right now that makes us ripe for manipulation. All right, let's jump into our very last segment of the day, Christianity Not Today. The European Court of Human Rights has rejected a complaint against a Christian bakery in Northern Ireland that refused to make a cake supporting gay marriage on religious grounds. Now, let me give you a little bit of background before I tell you why I bring this story up. So Gareth Lee approached this Christian baker and he asked him to bake a cake with Bert and Ernie on it. And it said on, on top of slogan, support gay marriage. When the baker refused to do this, Gareth Lee immediately took this to court. And instead of exhausting his options in lower courts, he uh, pretty quickly took this to the highest court of the land, the European Court for Human Rights. And they said, on a technicality, they threw this thing out simply because he had not exhausted his options in lower courts. Uh, but suffice to say, the reason I think this is so important is because this may have something to do with all of the stories that we've mentioned here today. We've gone from saying that freedom has to do with me being able to do what I want to do in my bedroom and not having anybody tell me I can't do that. This is what the um, homosexual community used to say about, about their uh, freedom to marry and that kind of thing. So that Overton window has kind of moved and now is, is broad enough to have allowed for that transition to take place. So think what you will about that. But the reality is, is that now we're shifting even further down the line where all of a sudden we're starting to think, that freedom means not only my ability to do something, but also my ability to force you to do something that I think you should do, which we all know is not freedom. I cannot help but wonder if the same kind of existential crisis, this crisis for meaning that we're experiencing right now, is the very same thing that keeps us trying to force other people to do things that we think they should do. And at the end of the day, you don't want to live in a world where if you believe somebody should do something, you should have the right to force them to do that thing as long as we're not talking about something that's criminal in nature. You don't want to live in a world where you can force somebody to do that no matter how much of an activist you are, no matter how much you think it might serve your purposes to force somebody to do something that they don't want to do. Ultimately, the problem here is that the axe swings both ways. The sword cuts both ways. It can eventually come back to you and force you to do something you don't want to do. So we don't even understand freedom, much less all the other things that we're trying to tackle as a society. I think simply because we've failed to understand where true freedom comes from, the source of true virtue, the source of truth. Now, until we get there, we're going to constantly struggle. Well, I hope this was informative to you. I hope you enjoyed our episode today. Can't wait to share more with you in the future. Thanks for watching. You can catch brand new episodes of Indie Thinker with Reed Uberman every Monday and weekly bonus episodes to keep you thinking throughout the week. But you have to subscribe and click the bell to be notified when new episodes drop. If you enjoy this content, make sure to like this video and share it with friends.